Hello, Mountaineer Nation. We're out here on the porch. We got the trips with us. CJ, Zachy Moon, and Mike Sussman coming on in. We're going to talk all things about the Mountaineers. Big win under the bright lights there. Thursday night win over Baylor. Got us on the board in the conference. Now an opportunity to stack a second straight win in a place that we have not fared well here in the last few trips, and that's Lubbock, Texas. Neil Brown 0-3 versus the Red Raiders. Going to have an opportunity to finally get that big win. We're going to talk about the Big 12 Conference as well and what's going on in the league. We're going to also have a lot of discussion about kickoff times, tee times, and the six-day window and how it frustrates the living you-know-what out of everybody. So you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab that coffee, Phil style. If it's in the evening, grab the drink and come on back because we're talking all things Mountaineer football. Let's go. I just don't want to be outside doing this. It's just too cold. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? Oh, no, man. Intelligent. Dude, dude, it's supposed to be like 30-some degrees down here all week. I don't want to hear it. I'm all for it. Bring it on, baby. Are y'all golfers? Oh, yeah. Big time. um, Yes, I'm not very good. yesterday. My family at uh, Glade Springs has a little house, and we actually have, like, a big porch. We should do the show on the porch. Oh, that'd be dope. Yes. Yeah, that would be a great spot to do it there, Mike. Yeah, it would. It would be. It would be. Like you said, man, a Mountaineer Road game, like, get a get, Mountaineer Road game, you could even get the 330 kick and still get out there and play in the morning. Yeah. It's a daggone shame, though, fellas, that we don't know the time – for the TCU game. We'll get into that more later on, but Thursday night was was absolutely epic. It and was a roller coaster. Let, let let the weirdness happen. Just just I embrace the weirdness. Weird it was. <laughs> Can and I want to ask this. I, I know we're we'll, we'll talk about it, but we give you know a lot of people were giving the defense a bunch of praise, and I was one of them. You know, coming up with stops when they needed it, but doesn't it feel weird to be praising a defense that still gave up forty points and four hundred and twenty-one passing yards? Yeah, it just feels weird that we we're we're going to give them, and I mean, give them a lot of. I mean, you know, I mean that was a gut check, and they came up with stops and turnovers when they needed them, but it just feels weird that you're like, yeah, the defense finally, but. We still gave up like almost 500. We gave up what 500 total yards of offense, 40 points. Like that still they feels. Had, they had 300 ish yards passing at halftime. Yeah. And if Shapen hadn't gotten knocked out, there's no telling whether or not that would have continued. May not, maybe not to that degree after some halftime adjustments, but I mean, they were rolling. Yeah, you're right. I had Shapen at 292 yards at halftime. Okay. And yeah, I think ESPN and Fox had him at like 295 at the half. So, yeah, I mean, you were in that 290 window. And the, the thing about it, and I, and, and I asked Neil about it, despite the win, it was still kind of the in the room. It, it was specifically the pass over the middle. It, it looked like in that kind of soft cover two, we weren't very aggressive. We weren't driving on the ball, and we weren't – we just didn't attack those post routes – in those digs and and Neil just said that they, they did a good job clearing out the secondary with that dig route it left the middle of the field wide open but our, our secondary needs to do a little bit better job because up in the press box it literally looked like they were just running right through it with absolutely no contest or challenge whatsoever from the guys on the back end 
Well, well I think it's I think it's more than the secondary too, because he did make mention to, and I think he is right going back and kind of looking at it. The linebackers have got to get a little deeper there to to try and shorten that window. And I don't know if we did a real good job on that aspect of it. And I don't yeah. know that we really have any linebackers that are proficient in pass protect or pass coverage either. Maybe Lance Dixon, but he's been playing more spear than linebacker, which technically a hybrid position, but kind of more secondary than anything. But none of the guys who play the true linebacker spots are overly proficient in pass coverage, I don't believe. And, yeah, a lot of guys are banged up. He went through the list of injured players. It was three or four of them. That was one thing I wanted to mention next. Yeah, in in the secondary as well. I mean, that's that's the scary part. I mean, think about where we were playing there in the back end at, at the end of the ball game. Uh, I mean, let's just go through them. I mean, I mean Malachi have... Ruffin was back there and, and had to had the holding penalty, which was smart on his part because it saved a touchdown. Right, and it led to a field goal in that drive. You're absolutely right. And at the, in the moment, watching it happen live in the stadium, like he could have turned and gotten that ball just as easily as the receiver. It was a throw behind the receiver, but, you know, he saved the receiver from being able to make a play on it, so at least it wasn't a touchdown. But, I mean, you go through the list of injuries. You started the game with Ajayi going in injured anyway, but he played. He didn't last very long. I believe he was out in the first quarter. So there's your number one starter. Then McCormick, who, you know, he's been getting torched most of the year anyway, but still that's your second corner. He goes out with a leg injury in the second quarter. So you're already down your first, you know, your top two corners in the game before halftime, and then you were down Mumu Ben Wahad, the freshman, with a lower extremity injury, whatever they mean by that. He didn't play at all. Could mean anything, Zach. Could mean we'll anything. Leave it at that, okay? Very, very nondescript. Yes, I, I, I think that's the best thing to do. So he, he was out to begin with, and then in the third quarter, like we've already mentioned, when Shapin got knocked out, it was Andrew Wilson-Lamp. So that's yet another defensive back. So you're down – four guys, five, including Woods, who has been out the whole season pretty much. So, like you mentioned, Ruffin, who is a third-string DB, I mean, he's having to cover across from Jacoby Spells, who has been solid at times, but he's also played like a true freshman at times. And as opportunistic as he's been, he's definitely had his growing pains. So, those are your two cover guys against a unit that's already tearing you up. Yeah, that's it's it's not good. And here's the thing, though. You mentioned Charles Woods. Maybe we get him back, but also something that we mentioned and, and something I heard from a a guy who knows a little bit about playing defensive back, right? Former All Pro Carl Lee. I was listening to him talk the other night on the uh, tailgate show there on RSN, and he said, you know, sometimes as a DB, like people think like you got torched, but it was maybe just miscommunication, and you covered that guy great in nineteen of those twenty plays. He said you got to let guys kind of let the fear of getting beat get taken out of you. And if you can do that, then you get somewhere. And I think that's something we've got to get a little bit better with. If we can start limiting the big play, especially over the middle, we might have a chance. And we were doing a little bit better job of that. These guys are all young. Like, if we get Woods back, I think that could change a, a lot of what our defense becomes. Kind of, well, definitely the dynamic would be different. Might allow for a little more pressure. And just having a guy you can trust back there in the back end would be huge. Maybe give those guys a little bit of the kind of the, the fear back. Like now they they'll feel confident again. And um, you know, if you get back to back wins and you're starting to create turnovers, that can happen. 
look how well Aubrey Brooks played this week, as opposed to, you know, in the Texas game, the ball goes through his hands. So, made that play this week. You know, that one almost went through his hands, if we're going to be honest. (laughs) He had to hold on for dear life onto that knee, too. And that was an absolutely sailing duck. He, that was all his, but thankfully he came down with it. Hey, and Jasir Cox made a couple big plays, found the ball. Like, if we start flying to the football, creating turnovers, that's what the identity of this defense could be maybe as well. Maybe we will give up the big play occasionally. Maybe we'll get a little bit better at limiting that. I, I think Texas Tech offensively might be a little bit overrated, guys. If you look at the numbers, take out that outlier, that Murray State game, they're only averaging 28 points a game. They might play with all this tempo, but, you know, their quarterbacks are throwing a lot of interceptions. Mm. And granted, they've been playing good competition, but man, I, I think this might be an opportunity for us to create some turnovers on Saturday and do a good job running the football against them. And that's the formula for winning. If we can continue to be that opportunistic, because like Neil said in the presser, you know, the ball hasn't bounced too damn many times our way. Exactly. And finally, it did. It'd be nice to be able to keep that going. And, you know, opportunities like that sometimes they fall in your lap like that burks interception that was just an awful terribly ill-advised throw by the backup for baylor but hey he made the play he made the read as soon as it went in the air he jumped it good play on him and sometimes you make the play which jacoby spells did after the block kick which obviously dante stills is responsible for the block nominal penetration on that play by dante stills too i mean that was yeah he was getting a lot of that down the stretch on defense as well he was on he was a man possessed do you remember the right after the interception daniels threw like a loss of six yards on a run play it was like he took complete ownership of the defense at that point like he said all right the offense slipped after playing pretty damn awesome the whole game for the most part you know, we got to go out there and we got to save their ass on this one. And he took personal responsibility for doing that. He was amazing. And that, that's what we've been looking for for a while. Somebody on the defense to really step up and be the guy who's going to lead and do what's got to be done and make plays and you got to make them. And he did that. And that's who you expect to do that. He set, set the TFL record as well. Got, got to give props there. No doubt. He, he earned it. Play like a man possessed. I mean, there's there's no question about it. The formula was created. The blueprint is there for how this defense can play and get maybe a little bit of help from the offense too. Like we, if we can run the ball like that, guys, I, you know, and that's a solid front we just run we ran against. Obviously, I mean, they lost their top defensive tackle. You know, about midway through the game, third quarter, I think. Yeah, but we yeah. were running on them before that. And, and how do you guys feel about the running back rotation after watching a free Tony Mathis? not one that's just trying to put things on tape to prove to the coaches. He, he was a different guy. That, Maybe that, that helps him when Donaldson comes back. Yeah, I think so, Zach. I think so. I think that was Tony Mathis finally getting back to being the guy that we saw last year when Letty Brown needed a breather, right? A guy who was playing free, able to know he's going to get his carries because Johnson was going to get his too. And they sorry, sorry to cut you off, Mike. Go ahead with what you're saying. That's my bad. Well, it's all good. What it looked like to me is the difference between, you know, in baseball, you might get a pinch hit, maybe your DH and coming Mm. out of the game later compared to the coach just saying, look, you're starting third base and you're going to get every at-bat today. It's just a freer mindset. It's competitive. You're not sharing carries and and worrying about that. He he just, from jumping, and I really saw it on that first touchdown run where he started right, cut back left, he, he just looked more free. He was decisive. 
yeah and i think and i think that's that's the the big thing is that looked like you know the tony that we saw last year especially at the end of the year you know not a whole lot of just waiting i mean see the hole hit the hole put the foot in the ground and get upfield um and i think that's you know hopefully that that carries over and and mike i think you make a good point in you know it's kind of like i know i'm going to be be the guy today um but i mean I, I i don't know how much of that mindset there really could have been because i don't know how much of the game plan there was expected that donaldson was going to get a ton of carries in that pit game i think it just kind of happened organically um you know but that that's the, that's the tony mathis that we need to see week in week out that that hesitating it just unsure of himself that guy can't continue to show up if if the tony mathis you got thursday shows up the rest of the year i feel fantastic about that running back room and, and our abilities on offense yeah, absolutely, CJ. And I think the key word that was used there was decisive. Tony Mathis was decisive when he came into the game. And if you add that with Donaldson, which we believe from all indications, he will be out there, right? You know, that's going to be amazing. Plus, like like, like uh, was mentioned earlier, number one rush defense in the Big 12. Now, granted, they, they gave us that six-man box, which you're not going to see a lot from a lot of other teams, but we were very effective against a group that's been controlling most teams running the game all year. And I think Baylor's still a good football team. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think we'll see that as we continue to move forward. So I don't know, fellas. I mean, the alternative if, if we didn't get this game was a lot different. And that's one thing I want to talk about real quickly too. Do people feel now like, hey, that was a big time win? Or is it is it just mm, this is more of the same from Neil Brown? It, it happened in such a bizarre manner. It was. Like you guys said, that that was yeah. one of the more wild football games I've ever watched, and it did take those two turnovers for us to really have a chance. And and if Blake Shapen stays healthy that entire game, it, it could have been a little bit different story. Uh, so I, I, I don't think that you really can have that much of a different opinion on Neil Brown. It's another great performance from the offense. Uh, other than that Texas game, the offense is really yet to lay an egg. So it, it at least gives you an indication that we're going to have a chance the rest of the way. But there were a lot of things still in that contest that were not winning football, as Nick Saban would say. No, I would agree with that. But I think I'm wondering if maybe the perception changes a little or if maybe some people take kind of a, a step back because look through Neil's tenure some of those close wild games that we've had I don't know how many of them have really gone our way like it it kind of feels like those those are the games the last couple of years that have found ways to slip away from us um and so we I think got one right I think that kind of that that helps a lot, especially with the team like okay you know what what we're doing is, you know, we're, we're continuing to do the right things. We're continuing to, to fight and to work hard. You know, eventually it, it's got to start. The pendulum has to swing back the other way in some of those games where it's like, okay, it's got to come our way eventually. And that was my first question to him for this particular group. How, how meaningful is it to overcome adversity in a close game? And he kind of went into a little bit of a spiel. He said, those that were there tonight saw a great game. Those that weren't, probably wish that they did and then after that he he did agree he was like yeah it's big for our confidence and i hope that it bolsters a stretch run Uh, so neil brown definitely values it and there were a lot of people that weren't there and and did miss a great game 
Yeah, and I <laughs> love the fact that he took a dig at some of the folks that didn't show up. And that's kind of atypical for him, I feel like. You know what I think it is, but I think it's a it's a point. I mean, we've we've seen Huggins kind of do that at times. No, I like it. I'm all about I, it. <laughs> I mean, take I take a love shot it. when it's necessary. Well, I don't know. This might not be the time to be taking shots. I, you know, from his but, perspective, maybe not. Maybe maybe he would disagree. I mean, he said it, and it may be a little tongue in cheek. He said he said was honestly the truth. I mean, <laughs> statistically, he's not incorrect when he said. He's won three of his last four. Oh, I agreed. And, you know, he lost to a pit team opening game of the season in a situation that was just completely bizarre. I think anybody who watched that game could admit that. Lost to a Kansas team that, you know, it was an absolute, you know, just it set the field ablaze, all the points and offense that was out there. But a team that, you know, everybody took lightly at that point in the season that ended up being, you know, better than anybody expected. We've been over this. So you take those first two losses out. You don't excuse them. You'd obviously take them as losses because that's what they were, but they have won three of their last four, and that is a recovery from that start when everybody else left us for dead. So, you know, from his perspective, I understand why he said that. I agree. And, and we won. He can say whatever he wants to say. Neil Brown finally gets a chance to flex his chest a little bit. Say it with your chest! There's 60,000 people, supposedly, that can fit in Milan Pushgar Stadium. The official attendance the other night, 45,000. Are you guys buying that? No. Honestly, that was the number I guessed when it finally reached peak capacity on Thursday. I was talking to a friend of mine I was in the stands with, and I was thinking somewhere between 40, 45, just by looking at it, obviously it's a complete out-of-my-ass guess. Right. But I've been in there a handful of times. I know what looks like what. And, you know, the side we were on was pretty full for the most part. Student section side was the more empty one, but I feel somewhere between forty and 40, 45. I think forty five could be could be stretched, maybe a little uh, under that. I could see that, but I don't think it was too far off. I, I would have went forty forty two five. <laughs> okay, Mike, what was your number? What do you what do you peg it at? Well, I was in the press box. I was looking across. I was like, man, this thing's half full. No, nope. uh, I didn't really have a good view straight downward, so that was why I wanted to ask. When the game first started, I was like, "Oh God, this is brutal!" Because it was embarrassing, empty, empty, embarrassing. Yeah, it, so, yes. it, it, it at the beginning did not look real good on TV. Um, which, which you know, with the tailgating being later in the day, with the lots not open until a little you, later, you kind of see that people getting their getting their time in, and that that happens on regular game days. But uh, guys filtering in, people <laughs> filtering in. But you know, people finally started coming in later into the first quarter, and it filled up more than. More than it looked like it was going to to start. I was nervous early. Zach. Same, same. Real nervous. And then when it was seventeen seven, it's like, oh boy. Yeah, could have been worse. Yeah, that's true. It was like, oh man, we're we're in real trouble here. Well, and it's hey, Mike. While we're on it, we're gonna go ahead and still even with the win, we'll give you your top three, the stock market watch. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I mean, hey, now granted, if if Neil if Neil pulls off, you know, maybe a couple wins here in a row, and say we're sitting five and three after an upset win over TCU, uh, you might not get the stock market watch anymore. So strike while the iron's hot. Okay. Yeah, I'd be all for that, man. I just want to ride the wave. I hope we do get <laughs> hot. 
but it's still a conversation. Number one, Coach Prime picked up another blowout victory this week. Jackson State stays undefeated. Hey, by the way, made the comment conversation. Guys, you don't need to check your watch to know it. It's time. You don't need your mama to tell you, your father to tell you, your friends, family members, or loved ones to know that it's time. It's just a question of who's going to be the first one to leap on Deion Sanders. It's going to work. That guy succeeds at every single thing that he does. He's a lock in recruiting, and he's going to be ahead of the curve in NIL. Just just have the guts to do it. Be the one that jumps at it. Come on. Do you know who I think is going to do it, guys? Off Florida topic State. for us? No, I think it's going to be Auburn. Might be. I was going to say Florida State's in a good spot right now. It seems like they're they're finally getting things moving in you know, at least yeah. a simile, semi-good direction, maybe not yeah. by their standards, but they're getting things going. They're frisky with normal right now. Like, Auburn could be it. How long I mean, do you think Harson's got? See, that's the thing. I mean, they, they played well, like, competed with Ole Miss, so maybe, like, uh, but supposedly the Sharks are, like, swarming down there. So, might want to get on Coach Prime before Auburn picks them up. That's kind of my just feel. I don't know. No, no one's told me anything. I'm just totally guessing that but Auburn feels good for that number two number two number two I don't know how much attention you guys pay to academia uh, but the president at Youngstown State recently resigned his name is Jim Tressel former Ohio State great Gordon Gee connection long play Uh, that's a rock solid hire what do you guys think bring back the the vest the vest say what oh uh, you know what Everybody, West Virginia we, vest. Oh man, I already have would, one. Wouldn't we be a little? I'll worried? rock it to a game, Zach, for you. Right. Well, oh, let's go. Here, here's my only question on Trestle: Is there any concern of age at this point? That's my one thing. So I, I know he knows how to run a program. I know he knows the X's and O's. Is he a little outdated? Do the high schoolers of today have any clue who he is? Fair point. That's yeah. my one downside. But I would take him over Neil Brown and. Number three is Rich Rodriguez. Let's. They want to have a seven-on-seven drill. We want to make it a fist fight. You understand me? Clean, legal football. Nothing cheap, nothing dirty, but West Virginia football. Let's get a little quick quarterback in there. Let's kind of a half running back that can throw a little bit. Let's run the power spread. You mean Garrett Green? Back. No. <laughs> Hey, Not that was like real it. interesting the way they the used Garrett Green the other night. I love that. Can we please address this? I've been calling for this all year. <laughs> I don't know if I've said anything about it in this podcast, but I've definitely said split out Garrett Green, put him in the backfield, do something stupid. And they finally did it. Let's get weird, Zach. That's we've we've been definitely talking about wanting to get weird with Garrett Green for a while. At least you have. Hey, Would he get a little four yards on that little something? I think yeah, six he on the a catch. Seven, yeah, seven yard catch. Okay. Well, and and. And Minimal run the next play, but still, yeah, they kind of knew that was coming. Yeah. Okay. Totally. And I and I and I got to ask the elephant in the question room on Rich. Are we sure the fan base would be okay with that? No. Hold on, CJ. Let's 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 pump the brakes on Rich before. Well, let's let's keep talking here. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys could get weird all you want, but I mean, that's still the elephant in the room. I mean, you're talking about there's a good section of the fan base that is still very very. When did we upset. get weird because of Rich? I don't remember this. Well, no, you guys were talking about getting weird with Garrett Green and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're not and, even and, talking about Rich. We don't want to talk about Rich. Let's get weird. 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 Uh, 
CJ, I, I think that at first they would be. It would be an interesting press conference and a weird preseason. But winning solves everything. If he can push the right buttons and get Rich Rodriguez talented guys, which is a very uh, specific skill set that he, he needs. I'll give Rich a little bit of time. I'm not going to give him Neil Brown time. But if you give him two to three years, he'll get it going. He'll get his he'll get his guys and run that spread. Like I've always said, Rich Rodriguez is the Ed Orgeron of West Virginia. He's not a perfect fit everywhere, but he fits like a hand in the glove in this particular state, just because he gets it. It's different if you're from West Virginia and you understand what it means. Bob Huggins gets it. Jamila Dye got it. Uh, I'm not sure Jamila Dye got it. He, he took. <laughs> he got our players all right. He didn't yeah, get and, promoted. And I, and I get that Bob gets it. I think more Grant Wiley got it. And I get Bob gets it, and Bob's here till he Ellie retires. Schmidt got it. Avon got it. The question on if we can get Castile back, that's the question. Good Lord, no. That defense was a gimmick. Come on. Hey. I thought Castile was already back. He is. Well, He's an analyst right now. Yeah. yeah promote, him there. promote him. He's the best ah. coach we've ever had. <laughs> well, and, and he, well, and here's my only thing. You talk about, yeah, those guys got it, and those guys stayed hey. and all of that. Rich tried to bounce – once and then successfully did the following year like to me hey, that's now i will say this for rich on defense of that those are two of the big boys in college okay, you football. know what you know what yeah. I, I i i i mean i, and, I don't love it but i i can be well here's the I thing can... i was i was willing to forgive the alabama one because it's alabama but don't stand up there and be like i'm here i'm staying i'm not going anywhere and then the next year you're gone listen no, alabama wasn't alabama then obviously the name is what it is but at that point in time it was not alabama anymore no i get that but don't don't stand in the press conference do the crying and saying i'm here to stay i'm here i'm here i'm here i'm one hey. of you and then the very next year at the first opportunity you're out the door hey you know Sorry. what happened the no. same year as that tennessee beat alabama or close to it like because it never happened before that like Hey, it's 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 crying over spilt milk. It's a long time ago. Maybe just, I, maybe I'm we can bring Rich Nick, back, but probably not. I'm just shocked Nick Saban didn't end up on Mike's list since he lost, because <laughs> he put Jimbo up here pretty quick after Jimbo lost. Yeah, what's going on with that defense for Bama? I don't even know if I want him. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that high kid off Alabama right now. It's a feather soft Bama. It's different identity. <laughs> hey, <laughs> the but, sizzle on that take. Hey, you know what? Hey, there was there was one team though, um, a Texas Tech play that was also kind of a good friend of mine mentioned him as a possible successor here at West Virginia. If I know if where Brown want to go, uh, Gibby. I've heard no. that as well. Tony Gibson. Um, I'm not sure how I feel. I love Tony. I, I'm 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 not a fan. I know a lot of people that know Gibby, and they're they're not on board. And the donors and your boosters are not going to be on board. That that's a tough sell. And where I love Castile because he ran an aggressive three three five that worked. Gibson tried it with lesser talent, with less aggression, and just got torched. That was a bad three three five. He also had some really good years with him as a defense coordinator, though. He he he's a he's a good position coach. He's a fiery coordinator. I just he's got Matt Patricia head coach written all over him. Ooh, backwards hat analogy there. That and gonna suck and fan base is gonna want him fired in two years. Did did Gibby ever go backwards hat? Did Gibby go backwards hat, or was that just uh, Joe DeForest? 
I think that was just DeForest. <laughs> is he a guy? Oh lord. <laughs> of what nature? Is he even uh, co- is he even coaching anywhere? He's probably not. He's <laughs> he's probably selling insurance. <laughs> I've, I've got I've got um like a good wi- neighbor. DeForest is there. I've got Wikipedia up here just because. I figured out how old Jim Trestle was. He's 69. And was 94 nice. and 20, 94 and 22 at Ohio State, by the way, guys. Oh, um, to answer the DeForest question, yeah, he's the safeties coach at NC State. Wow. CJ reeled him in. Dealing my thunder there, but well done, buddy. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. He was also at USC there for a while. He could come in and, and really kind of get your get your special teams going there. Uh hey, but anyway. Good, good old Joey DeForest. Would you, wouldn't you love having him as your head football coach somewhere? The funny thing is that our secondary right now is not even close to the worst West Virginia secondary we've had in the last decade. <laughs> Joe DeForest's scheme, I, I don't even know what it was. I, I mean, 70-63 probably should have been at least 70-52. I don't know. That was, that was one of the worst uh, – performances in college football history hopefully we won't ever see that defense ever again um yeah i think there's some records in that game that are safe for a very 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 long time who was that quarterback brewer is that who torched us no, no Charlie was, Brewer wasn't there yet it no, was, it was, was that petty no it was before it was petty. petty it was um all the uh nick florence yes oh Joe my florence. gosh correct That's the crazy. good pull Hey, and you know what's funny? Well, they mentioned it during the broadcast. That's the only reason and I remember it. They had Terrence it. Williams at receiver then, too. Man, he yes, they did. I, he went off. Yeah, him on an island with Pat Miller was. They had Lace Seastrunk, a running back. Quick little scat back. He he tore Wait, us up, too, I think. Are, are we sure Pat Miller covered him? Because in all the highlights, man, you don't even see Pat anywhere in the frame. I think that's the point. <laughs> Dude, just, just to think, though, that speaking of number six, that we are 6 and over Spaler at home. And that was that whole thing about the trolling exercise there on Twitter was pretty funny. They've never beat us. Like, that's crazy. A good football program in Baylor. And we've we've never, never come away without seeing country roads against those boys. That's a pretty good feeling. And it was a necessary win to pull it out when we did because if that would have been their first win in Morgantown, I mean, talk about an inopportune time. So that was that was even bigger. And like you guys said earlier, with all the crazy that happens, the fact that you had three interceptions, a block two-point conversion, the backup quarterbacks in the game, and you don't find a way to win that game. Whew. And that's that's Sheesh. what I was most afraid of. I mean, especially, yeah. especially when when um, JT threw that just inexplicable interception. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. After all this, we're still going to find a way to blow it. And that's honestly, I feel like what everybody's thought was you can't even you can't even help it. But thankfully, thankfully, I, I, they I, I pulled had it out. Jarrett Deggy PTSD moments on that pick, by the way. It was likened to the <laughs> VT pick last season. Man, you in know a what similar happens, spot on the field too. Well, it, you know what happens on that play though? It's that flood route, and he just doesn't go to the the first guy going out of the back with the tight end. He's trying to hit Wheaton, and he just kind of threw it behind him just a little bit too much. And he has a he has a he slight tendency to, to throw behind those guys too. sometimes. Yeah, he, he did throw across his body on that play. Correct. And when when he rolls yeah. right, yeah, he's not very successful rolling right. There have been some stats that I've heard that will back that up. He's just not 
seemingly very comfortable at doing that. But I mean, we we did everything possible to give that game away at times, and so did Baylor. But you know, thankfully the ball went through the uprights for us last. And I'll tell you one thing: this is crazy. We we talked a little bit in our group chat about how you know I had never seen a block PAT return for a two-point conversion as long as I've been watching Mountaineer football, which for me been about, you know, 20 years probably. And I heard or read actually, that was actually the first time in West Virginia football history that that's ever happened. First block PAT return for a two-point conversion. That's, wow. that's pretty insane. And you I- needed that to win the game. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the big momentum shift. Um and yes. you could hear it in the broadcast in the stadium, just the the energy level of the stadium shift. Um I, I wanna say something because we we gave Sam James a lot of crap on our last podcast. Him and Caden Prather, um, the games they had were phenomenal because you can see right now defenses are just not gonna allow Ford Wheaton to be the guy that beats them. And Baylor made that extremely evident. And I think for those two guys to step up and play the way they did um, is a huge, huge help to to JT, the rest of the offense. And hopefully now maybe we can get, you know, Bryce some more actual looks instead of him being out there and basically four dudes around him. And he won't be <laughs> as much of a, I guess, uh, guy pulling DBs away from Prather anymore because Prather is showing and has shown over the past few games that he's – the force to be reckoned with. So you're not just going to be able to shade BFW anymore. Like Prather's a dude and he's living up to the billing of his, you know, his high recruiting status. Oh yeah. I mean that, that tunnel screen where he basically just pushed the pile four or five yards was just that because you know, he can fly, you know, he can run routes, but to see that just that kind of strength was, was pretty impressive out of a young kid. Well, thing, thing of beauty really on that screen. If I'm thinking of the one you're talking about and he let him a bit and he took off, like he was shot out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. And then you had that shot over the middle, the deep pass to Reese Smith in the second half. That was oh, a, yeah. what a catch by him on that play as well. No doubt. There were a couple catches across the middle. Each each of those three guys had nice ones. BFW had a huge catch across the middle that was over his head. Thought it was going to be an interception from my angle. Stuck to his gloves. Prather had a similar catch coming from the other direction. I mean, there were some big catches made by these guys who, you know, Definitely had their bouts of drops. Yes, they have. And, you know, it's funny, Zach, because Neil talked about, like, man, hey, receivers, they showed some maturity. That was one of his big sticking points in the the postgame, and deservedly so. I mean, they they definitely balled out and showed out and showed up there on the primetime lights there. Uh, Not as primetime this weekend, though, guys, in Lubbock. Anybody else got anything there on Baylor before we get going into this one? Because this one's real juicy as well. I, I will say, yeah, let's go Mountaineers for sure. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a big it's a big win and a big spot. You know, harkens back to traditional Big Twelve that we've come to know and love. Not not so much the past couple of years, but over a thousand total yards of offense between the two teams. I mean, it's it's crazy what we're seeing. I mean, it's kind of spanning across the conference again. It seems like almost every team is able to put up yards and put up points any given week. Which, you know, it's kind of refreshing. It's kind of what you what you expected coming into the conference, and it's back again. But I want to I want to take a second to highlight the offensive line because we haven't mentioned them one time. Good I mean, point, you, Zach. Good you point. You just run for two hundred and seventeen yards without your top running back, 
for no reason. I mean, Baylor's got a solid defense. Obviously, like I said, they lost Ika, that massive load of human being, a defensive tackle. But despite that, the line was getting pushed. They were creating holes from the first series. Didn't allow a single sack. I don't think that Daniels was really too terribly pressured the whole game. So if they can continue that kind of performance, the offense is going to keep putting up points because we've got the weapons. If that line keeps getting pushed and can stay healthy, that's going to be big for us because, you know, we've seen what this defense can or more so cannot do. We're going to have to score some points to be in these games. And if we can continue to knock starting quarterbacks and 350-pound <laughs> D linemen out of the game, I'm all for it. How about a little bounty, bounty gate in Morgantown? Oh, hey, God. We do not solicit this behavior. We at the courts do not solicit bounty gate. Here's what we here's what we here's what we say. We hope and we wish them all the best when they come back next week. Fair enough. Was it the target in play where Shapen went down? Yeah. Yeah, and yes. to be honest, it seemed like Ada, a, you know, Andrew Wilson Lamp. He was going for the legs, but as he took off, is when Shapen started to slide, and at that point, he just couldn't do anything about it. It yeah. was targeting by the letter of the law. Yeah, he was kind yeah, of on and that's, going. And and that's the one thing, and I and I get the player safety aspect of it. I, I I do, and it's you have to make that call there. To me, that's just the, sometimes in those calls, defenders get put in really bad positions because they're starting, and then something happens, and there's no time to adjust it. I, I would like to see some something done in there to help those defensive guys out in those situations where he's it. He starts out, it's going to be a clean hit, and then all of a sudden something changes and there's nothing he can do about it. Like, there's no malicious intent on the play. It just Correct. Kind of happens. It, it just, kind of develops that way, and that's it's a difficult spot to be in. And it's kind of – the NFL kind of got this whole thing started with the targeting rule, and now they've kind of brought it back, but college is continuing to live in that space in that world, right? And so it just makes it difficult sometimes, man. Like, the penalty is so severe on that call – and it's it's really difficult for a kid to have to make that decision split second when there's really nothing he can do. Yeah, that's my other thing. And you're right, Zach. The offensive line deserves deserves a ton of credit. And Zach Frazier, I mean, he going one on one with one of the the best defensive guy defensive tackles in the country, and I mean, held his own. No, I no. mean, absolutely held his own, and I, that was very impressive. I mean, showed why he was a freshman All American a couple years ago. He's He's a he's a real real asset to this team without a doubt. Well, like you said, I mean, just just to make a quick comment, not to cut you off, Blaine. Can we use that as a bit of a segue, Mike? I'm not coming after you intentionally here. It's just something you said. I got to address it. Hey, let's go. Zach Prather, Neil Brown recruit. Okay, Caden Prather, Neil Brown recruit. C.J. Donaldson, Justin Johnson, Neil Brown recruit. Say what you will about the transfer portal. JT Daniels, Neil Brown recruit. All offensive guys, obviously, at this point. Hopefully the defensive guys will come along later, and there are a couple guys we could probably highlight that aren't terrible. But these are all Neil Brown recruits. We can't say that none of them turned out because they're showing that they're worth worth their salt. Uh, props for the performance on Thursday night. That's the first time Caden Prather's gone over 100 yards in two seasons. In an early Mattis, early career. Tony early Mattis career. has been atrocious so far this year. Solid. Love, love me some JT Daniels. But even that one was confusing. Does it make sense to just go ahead and send Nico out there? 
let's let's start the future if that's where we're going. That's my real opinion <laughs> on that one. Was, oh, was there another one that you mentioned? God. I'm just I'm not gonna put the cart before the horse at three and three. We're still three and three. Good win, guys. But Baylor's also a 500 club. Who's played very stiff competition in their defense? That is Good true. Win. Good win. I don't hate any of those guys, but after one game, I'm not just gonna say yeah. Nailed the nailed it right on the head. He got him. Still got to perform. You, you, oh, can still, you can still get way better starters than those guys, with the exception of maybe JT Daniels. And I'm promised. I mean, Caden Prather looks promising, but like I said, his stats were really not all that gaudy. He's just good by Neil Brown's standards. It's a lower standard mm. based off our performance the last couple seasons. We we used to get excited about Kevin White. That used to be a good player. And he's, he's dropping 150, 200-yard games left and right because he is a real electrifying talent. He's never had anybody in that realm that's going to get on sports. Well, do you, you happen know? to remember what Kevin White did before he became Kevin White? Because he wasn't Kevin White forever. He had his drops and his bouts of issues. And I'm telling I, you what, Prather is a, a guy who's just now getting into the meat of his career because last year he was only you know on the field for part of the time. He wasn't out there as a true freshman getting targets every game. He was only getting a handful of snaps. This year is his first true introduction to the game as it really is played game in, game out, week in, week out, playing almost every snap. He's coming along. Blaine, you're right. He's coming. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you can see it. He's got confidence. Yes. He's making he's got big JT plays. Yeah, and if you think about it, really, this year, other than the game against Pitt, I think he's performed pretty well. And he's continuing to get better. And, and, and that's what's like you said, JT's getting confidence in him too. Definitely. He, he didn't hang his head. After a couple down performances to start the season, he didn't hang his head. And Neil commented about it. He's worked and he hadn't taken that lightly. What happened to start the season? He used it as motivation. Yeah. And you're seeing the fruits of that labor. We have good players, guys, but when was the last time we had a star player? To I be think good, we've got a couple of league. them right now. Couple in the making. Yep, I agree. Caden uh, Prather's great as a chain mover, but I don't ne- think he's necessarily a deep threat or a big yards. Got to have possession receivers. Yeah. You, you you do, but in your number one slot, is does that proof that we're going to be explosive on offense just because we have one guy that we feel uh, good about? I don't know he had an explosive slot? guy in the slot you last year. Bryce anymore? You don't feel good about BFW anymore? He's not your number one? He's had a couple not-so-great games. He's still garnering targets. He's still a guy who's getting a lot of attention from the defense. Prather's going to open things back up for him, and I think he's going to have a big week this weekend. And just, love just where, but where's the standard? You watch the TCU game. Johnston's got 210 yards last week. Like we don't. It has been a very long time <laughs> since we had a legitimate star player. Okay, but we had a over the top blow him up like a legit burner at the slot last year, and we were god awful offensively. So. I, I, I'd rather have a guy like Prather and be, you know, very solid on offense than have a guy like Winston Wright who can absolutely run by anybody, but you can't get the ball to him. Winston Wright definitely never panned out, obviously, uh, but it was because of another Neil Brown lifer, Jared Dagey, that kind of hindered us for a while. Well, that was a rabbit hole, fellas. Um <laughs> What's up, I had to throw it out there. Uh, yeah. Just and, uh, on all those guys, just do it again. Get hot. Do it again. I, I loved what I saw Thursday, but that's one game. Right. Hey, hey Mike, that's that, that is fair. fair. 
That's the, I think it's about consistency now. We need to see this on a more consistent basis out of these guys if they want to show that they're, you know, players that kind of um, garner respect nationally, right? And, and kind of – they want to get there. So, you got to kind of – people always talk about stacking reps, right, and stacking performances. Well, that's what they got to do. And I think Prather's kind of started down that road to potentially doing that. Um, he's going to be big in this game Saturday. And, guys, I'm going to say this. I think the key for us is going to be winning the running game, right, in general in this game. Because if we run the football the way we can against them, they've, they've allowed some rushing yards against some teams. And then also stopping their run, kind of making them one more, more one-dimensional. I think this is kind of our game to win, and I don't really understand why everyone's so heavy on Texas Tech. They've got quarterback issues. They're not exactly electric at the playmaker positions. Um, I think they're getting a lot of pub off that Texas win, finding a way to pull that off, and Houston kind of being overrated when they beat them. NC State wasn't necessarily great offensively. I, I think we could think we can play with these guys. Yeah, I think so too, and we damn sure better be able to because you know that's one of the games that you come in expecting to be in at the very least. So this is a game we need to win considering the circumstances. Can, can we run the ball like Kansas State did on them? I mean, oh, maybe not, not to the same degree. I mean, they ran it for three hundred forty-three yards on thirty-nine carries, but that gives but you hope. Like, but we could do something. I mean, they can't. They stiffen up a little more against Oklahoma State. They only gave up 148. But I feel like we got more talent in that running back room than what Oklahoma State has right now. Like, Texas averaged five yards a pop. Like, I think we can run the football on them pretty effectively. We just ran Baylor. on Baylor, right? Like, we've run on almost everybody. On tech, right? We've run on almost everybody except for Texas. And Baylor came in as the second in the conference in overall defensive efficiency, I believe. Also second in the Big 12 in rush defense. So they were no slouch. slouch. Uh, West Virginia definitely showed what it could do. Uh, got a lot of good pushes up front. And then you're going to get your power guy back. You're going to get your short yardage guy back. And, and that's a big deal, too. We got the big body uh, with Justin Johnson Jr. He's just kind of your quick trick, quick twitch straight line guy. Uh, is Mathis the same guy? Because rhythm's a big deal. That was my first question to him at the press conference. How nice was it to establish a rhythm? And he said, very, very nice. And then I think that was the end of his answer. He doesn't talk very much. but <laughs> he, he, He's kind of more him. the uh, soft-spoken, carry-a-big-stick kind of guy, you know? He was kinda, on Thursday. Yeah. Like, let my play do the talking. And it did. I mean, we get that performance out of him with a little bit from Donaldson maybe coming back and Johnson – allowed JT to have time. Like, I feel really good about our ability to run the ball against that defense. They give up about, I mean, on average, 146.5 a game. Like, that feels good to me. They don't necessarily, you know, they they try and run it a lot, but they don't really do a very good job of it, so we should stop it. They like to run fast and, and, and run a lot of tempo, but, like, I don't know why everyone's so nervous and says it's such a bad matchup for us. Yes, we have lost three straight to these guys. I think that also plays into this game. The motivation for our football team and some of these seniors, like a, like a Dante stills to get this thing done, you know, an x-ray low 
you know, some of these guys on the offensive line, like Gementor and those boys, I mean, come on, this is this is going to mean something to them. Neil, it ain't, or not Neil, Blaine, it ain't about what it means to them. It's about what it means to Neil. That's, I believe, the only Big 12 school he's coached at uh, other than West Virginia. And he's coming back. He, he, he got his start at Texas Tech. I think yes, he, he did. His, didn't he coach his first Daggy at Texas Tech? He yes, did. he did. Seth, yes. yes. Who unfortunately led to the demise of West Virginia's hopes in 2012. And yes. Created the skid that just ended their season. Yeah, Daggies have been beating West Virginia for some time. <laughs> Inside and out. <laughs> and, and then you, hey. got the, you got the wind. And then just for me personally, the memory of our first trip to Lubbock in the Big 12. That was well, terrible. And, and that was Seth Daggie. Where we thought we were going and then what happened. I, I, I'm not looking forward to it, but I do think we can win. Hey, but our second trip there, we won on a game-winning field goal. And then our third trip there, we beat Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we did. And then our fourth trip there, we had a pick six where they threw on the minor hat and we won with Will Greer and those boys. We don't talk enough about beating Mahomes. I mean, we put it to him now. Yeah, what is he doing right now? Hey, crazy stat in this rivalry, by the way. You know what? I kind of consider this to be sort of a rivalry for us in this conference. Like, it's very competitive. Like, they beat us the first two. Then we strung five in a row on them. Now they beat us three in a row. Like, so, who, who are our rivals now that don't know that they're our rivals? Because I know Texas is one of them. K-State, for sure. Maybe you can slip no, no, I wouldn't say K-State. I would say Texas Tech and Iowa State are the two that, like. I, I disagree wholeheartedly. I, I honestly despise K-State in basketball really? and football. Yeah. Not, yeah, I, it's I almost think a respect put... thing too because they're kind of like us in a way. Like they're, you know, they have the same kind of, I don't know, meat and potatoes type feel. The the the, the environment elicits, I guess. I'm not really sure how to explain it. <laughs> it, it, it kinda, maybe it was more because it was a Snyder Ball type deal, and like kind of some grit, like what you expect from West Virginia. I don't know. Maybe it was just a little too too much similarity for me. No, I hear. We, I've got some. I've got some tough memories with them and Colin Klein in particular, ruining some very frigid Mountaineer nights in Morgan. Well, I, I definitely think K State has to has to be on that list just for those reasons, Zach. I, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. And then from a basketball perspective, just Bruce Weber being Bruce Weber, I'm just like, which I granted gained a little respect for some of the stuff he said about some of these coaches a couple years ago, so I can at least get back him on that, but. I don't know. K-State's just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And, and I, I would have probably stuck with Bob Huggins through the DUI. That's another knock on K-State. Hold on. That, that, <laughs> hold on, now, hold on He now. didn't stick with them through the DUI. That, that was not K-State there, Mike. It was Cincinnati, K-State, West Virginia. Right. But he had the Dewey at, at Cincinnati. Oh, my bad. He left Kansas State. That's on me. And they, They're not too happy about him. Actually, you know what, though? You hear a lot of people down there that give him a lot of credit for kind of turning that thing around. I mean, they yeah, should have got it, Michael Beasley. It, it took him a couple of years, I think, just yeah. because, I mean, obviously he was there a year and then gone. So, I mean, you knew there were going to be some raw feelings for a couple of years. But I think that partially is why you Texas Tech is sort of a rival, rivalry because of what Beard was doing in basketball there. We played so much like them, and then we've had such trouble with them in football here, you know, the last three years, and then obviously the first year, and kind of how it derailed all these grand plans of Gino winning the Heisman Trophy. 
I don't know. Maybe there's just something about Texas Tech. I mean, Oklahoma would probably be up there as well, but I don't think you consider that a it's true tough rivalry. To be a, well, it's tough. It's it's tough for a rivalry in conference when you've never beaten them. Well, we've had at least some success against them before Neil Brown, but you know, last four years it's been, you know, not the, not the best. But this will be the one we turn it around, hopefully. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. And, and you look at Tech, I mean, like you said, like we've talked about tonight, they're rolling two quarterbacks, Morton and, and Smith. Smith's got more, you know, both of them throw, throw a bunch of interceptions. They've still got Sir Roderick Thompson back there in the backfield somehow. Uh, Eighth-year senior. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think about it, Zach, I remember, you know, me and you were at the game he's, last year. He's on that Donovan that. McNabb program where he's there forever. Hey, Don McNabb, I, I love that. Dude, he was at Syracuse McNabb. for like a decade. He was a good <laughs> player. And with COVID, some of these guys might get to play like six years. It's it's a possibility. It's probably going to happen at least once. Um, I mean, buckets. hey, half <laughs> – seriously. <laughs> that half, was on the bingo card. <laughs> half, half a decade, half a decade, like playing college sports. Like that's – it could happen. Um Oh man, Teddy Buckets threw me totally off. <laughs> My bad. Just just to let you gather your thoughts, you mentioned the quarterback position. It seems like Tyler Shuck is finally going to make his return. So they've got three viable oh. quarterback options. Oh. And, and the coach, Joey McGuire, has talked about, you know, there's a possibility of playing all three of them in some form or fashion. They want to get one guy in there and really let him let him vibe, which you would assume would be Shuck considering he started with the job at the beginning of the year. But you know, getting Smith out there, getting Morton out there in different packages. They're they're trying to involve all these guys in one way or another, and they've shown that at different times when they've had at least two of them healthy. They've had both guys out there at the same time. So it doesn't sound like that's going to change much when Shuck returns. It'll be interesting to see who they go with this weekend. So Shuck is potentially back, Zach, is what you're that, us. That is what I've read in my studies. Now, I've also seen here, and that was the six days ago, so you might have a little bit more update information. But he was still not cleared for, not fully cleared for game action yet. That was six days ago. It's old news, my friend. Oh, now, okay. He's, he's at least questionable. It's not a hundred percent sure yet. He's not a hundred percent full go, but it is a possibility he'd be out there. Either way, I mean, I feel like he's only really had what four years of a COVID season at Oregon. And then it's been hurt a good bit with them. So there's some rust on those tires right now. Oh, no doubt. And if he does start, that might be beneficial for us because Donovan Smith showed, you know, while he is mistake prone with the seven interceptions, that he can really go out there and light it up. And Morton, Baron Morton, a freshman, if I'm not mistaken, he's put Chuck, up the numbers himself. Chuck it 62 times. Yeah. I mean, they're running, they're running know, a they're lot running of plays. Serious numbers of plays, 100 plays thereabouts a game so our defense is really going to have to try and make things happen and stay as fresh as possible but the offense is going to have to help them i think the running game is going to play a key in this game trying to keep texas tech's offense from racking up plays is there a concern that texas tech is just going to out tempo us to death and we're going to be so gassed by the end of this thing that they could put up a ton of points and we just can't keep up because we just can't execute at that level the entire game is there a nervous – are we feeling nervous about that at all? I'm not um, because 
with with the success we've had, especially last week running the the running the football, I, I think Graham Harrell has shown an ability to kind of put those kind of drives together to give his to give that defense a blow when they need it. I uh, did that a couple of times against Baylor. Um and so I, I'm not too awful worried that they're going to out-tempo us to death. Now, offensively, if we can't sustain drives, then, yeah, maybe it becomes an, becomes a worry and an issue. Um, hey, and Neil's I, not I, the only one with Texas Tech ties. Graham Harrell knows how those guys like to play a little bit himself, so he probably knows how to scheme against it a little bit, you would think. Not the same staff, obviously, he was under when he played there, but Texas Tech's always kind of run that up-tempo type of scheme. Guys, here's what worries me. Did we use everything in the tank and play our best football game on Thursday night to beat a decent no. team by three? No, Is I don't think that's anywhere. That's I don't think that's anywhere close to this team's A game. Okay. I would tend to agree. I think the pass game, while it was solid against Baylor, can do more. Obviously, the run game was pretty stellar. With Donaldson back, you would assume that it can, at the very least, keep that going. I feel like 200 rushing yards is definitely on the table each week for this offense. Um, defensively, I think we're all in agreement that it can be better. Uh, you know, opportunities-wise, getting the turnovers, definitely what you like to see. But reeling in the pass game will be a 100% necessity. One thing that I do like, it doesn't seem like Texas Tech, even with Sir Roderick Thompson being back for his 15th year, he's not, you know, he's not stacking up yards like – like some of the other guys in the conference. I mean, Zach, their their team numbers, right? The last five games, one eighteen versus Houston, fifty four versus NC State, one forty eight versus Texas, one fourteen versus Kansas State, one thirty seven versus Oklahoma State. None of those per game averages were over three point four per pop. So rough. It's not explosive in the run game by any means, and that's really good for us, definitely. No doubt about that. Stop that, maybe get a penalty or two, a sack, put them behind the chains, and then make the play on third down, get off the field. And, and one other thing that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that, like if you're, if you're not too terribly worried about the run game, and West Virginia's been one of the better teams in FBS against the run, and if they can continue that on Saturday – that should hopefully help our chances and, you know, just keeping it in the trenches. Texas Tech has one of the worst sack allowances in the country. They've allowed 23 sacks over six games. That's sixth worst in the country. You know, we haven't been generating sacks at a high, at a high rate, but this defensive front has the guys who can make things happen. We've got Stills. We've got Sean Martin, Austin, Jefferson, like these are all guys that have made plays on the defensive line. If we can get pushed with just four and make it difficult for them to pass the ball, obviously they're going to be able to stop the run on our own accord and Texas Tech's more or less deficiency in that area. That'll be huge because we've really got to take advantage of their deficiency up front. Yeah, I definitely. Think, yeah, we definitely have to take care of the. And I would like to see us really at times try and light up their quarterback you know really kind of get after him I, I felt like we probably should have been a little quicker with that against Baylor I felt like when we kind of dialed up the pressure and really started bringing guys it, you kind of get into that young backup's head a little bit you speed him up and I think that's that's going to be really the big key defensively because um, Texas Tech that revolving door quarterback not really being settled there 
Um, I'd like to see us have, take some opportunities and take some chances and try and speed him up a little bit, speed all of them up, and see if maybe you can force a mistake. Well, and, and they're prone to give you mistakes. I mean, that's that's for sure. And Smith kind of runs around a lot back there and doesn't really do a whole lot when he's he's out there, but he is an accurate passer. Morton, and we saw him pitching around all game. Shuck's probably the most athletic, but how how – game ready is he really at this point also another thing i kind of want to bring up about this game too defensively for texas tech i think one key thing for us to watch is when we struggled in some games is when they other teams have had really good pass rush right this tyree wilson kid not bad five and a half sacks for, for texas tech coming around that end would be nice to not allow him to get loose because he's had some games where he's had multiple sacks it's happened twice this year um Kansas State and against NC State. So, you know, that'll be key as well. Keep JT clean uh, on the offensive side of the football, talking about the battles in the trenches there, fellas. And that's another area that, you know, you look at the stats across the landscape. We are one of the better teams about allowing sacks as opposed to Texas Tech being one of the worst. You know, we've only allowed eight sacks on the season through six games. Pretty good rate, and, you know, you've played some damn respectable fronts between Pitt and Texas and Baylor. You know, even even Virginia Tech, like, their defensive front isn't, you know, a, push, a pushover by any means. As a team, not so great. But defensively, Texas Tech – or Virginia Tech, excuse me, is at least respectable on the front. So, the offensive line, again, like we mentioned earlier, is really holding up. So the battle in the trenches, as it always is, will be extremely critical in this game. Yeah, and you know what? I I like our ability to win the battle of the trenches and maybe win the battle of the hidden yardage in this game. Uh, I think we have a chance to do that. One other thing, too, I kind of like for us in, in kind of this game where maybe turnovers are in our favor, ability to run the, run the clock, kind of run time. I think the kicking game. The way leg's been for us has been good. Their kicker, that Trey Wolf, two of five on field goals this year Oof. from 40 to 49 yards. Now, he has made a 51-yarder, um, but, yeah, you know, and then he didn't kick in 2021, and in 2020 he was one of five. Uh, now, granted, he was 20 of 22 in 2019 his freshman year, but we know kickers are a different breed, um, and he's hasn't been good in that area, whereas – Leg's been pretty solid, and I think there's some reasons for that uh, on Casey Legg's part. And CJ, did you see uh, Casey Legg's press conference? No, I have not got an opportunity. Great stuff from Legg. Yes, it is. Well-spoken kid, very respectfully. Said a couple things that were really interesting. Uh, the first one was that, that that last drive, he's going through his routine, doing what you normally do when, when the offense starts to get – into your zone. When I was a kicker, it was sheer panic. He probably has some confidence, but he said that whole. Hey, time. Mike, he can make kicks though, buddy. That's the difference. <laughs> I agree I'm with you on that. Actually, one. I don't know. I've never seen you kick a football, but I'm just. I'm, What's your I'm, range, Mike? What's your range? I, I'm one for three career in Mountain East Conference play with four starts. I, I made one from fifty in practice. I had a decent leg. I just didn't know where it was going. <laughs> but that's got nothing to do with Casey Legs leg. True. It's true. He said he said he was just uh, just thinking about where his mom was that whole drive. A nice 
little feel-good moment in the press conference. And, and then I noticed this year, I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, on, his, on his kicks, it's just more of a smooth right down the middle. It doesn't really look like he's trying to kill it. And he said that that was because of his soccer background, that as of the last year or two, he's just kind of been chipping it, babying it through, and he's money right down the middle. And that's one thing that kind of freaks me out, and I wonder, which I will say, I don't know if we got a whole lot of opportunities to kick longer field goals. A lot of times we're going for it. I don't know if it's because of leg maybe not having the accuracy from deep. I'm not really sure. Or maybe it's just aggressive play calling. I think it's just, but I think it's just the leg range, the strength that, of the leg in general. That, that's what I wonder. Because, like, when you see him kick it, like Mike mentioned, it's more of a chip. Like, it doesn't look like he's really rearing up. I really don't know what the deal is with that. But, I mean, by God, he's accurate within 35. Well, I, he, I think, you know, he's got, a, I'd say about 45 inches is the, is the range there for leg. Is that about right? Well, the second thing that I asked him was on a long kick, is it a different mindset? Are you and it is. Winging harder. Yeah. And he said, absolutely. So he, he might have two different approaches. We really don't know yeah. how far he, he can kick from because he hasn't attempted yeah. one. His longest this out. year, long of the year so far is 38 for Casey. Um, yeah, no, I now, know he has said in the past. No, he hit a 49-yarder last year and has a 51-yarder yes. in 2019. True, so. true. Yeah. Yeah, now he he did say in the off season that that was something he was working on, you know, being a lot more reliable from distance because it is a lot different for him, um, and he made it sound like in practices he was pretty consistent from from about forty eight, um, you know, I think it's probably probably about as long out as you wanted to do it. Now the interesting thing at Tech's going to be that wind. Um, what do you really want to try and kick in that wind? Um, but I mean, Casey's, he's a special kid. I mean, as far as just kind of the way he approaches things and he's, he's that, that video on Twitter, they put up, I mean, he's looking at the camera and taking a wink. Like oh, that, so that was awesome. Dude, ice water. Like, I don't think anything phases him. I really don't. <laughs> That's that's pretty good stuff, though, CJ. <laughs> like, it really is. And you know what, man? There's strength in that. There's definite strength in that, and I think there's a reason why he is the way he is. That's pretty awesome. I was just looking at the wind right now in Lubbock. Granted, it's, what, like 10 o'clock now? So I don't know if that changes with the, the evening time. It's about 12-mile-per-hour breeze. So hopefully on Saturday, 3 o'clock, uh, it won't be crazy because hey, let's get leg to send some kicks flying and keep the tortillas from flying. Exactly. <laughs> hey, How back do you guys think Texas is? On a scale of Dude. one to 10, I'll give them a seven. Okay. All right. I'll go eight and a half. I thought about eight, eight and a half, but I'm, I'm tendering that just a little bit. I want to see it this weekend. I'm going five. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because of Sarkeesian. It, it's partially because of Sarkeesian. And we've seen this Texas movie kind of before. Like, I want to see how they, like, lose a game. Like, now how do you respond? Like, right, right, right. last year it snowballed quickly on them. And I don't know... I don't know the mental toughness of that group down there because what we've seen over the last five or six years is there isn't any. And, and Sarkeesian drank his way out of USC. 
<laughs> so I mean, he, he did. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I'm just I'm in a very much Texas has to prove it to me, and by prove it to me, I mean win the Big Twelve, and then hey. then I'll give them a little higher number. And speaking of that, by the way, Texas on the road, right? Six and a half point favorite at Boone T. Pickens against Oklahoma State. Coming off like, a loss for them. So yeah. Be, like, and a, and a very difficult loss for them, too. That A game they shouldn't have lost. Like, Vegas is – they're feeling Texas right now. And I, that's it's always dangerous. Yeah, that's very interesting to see them loving them that much. Like, that's a 20 – 20th ranked versus 11th matchup. Like, man, Big 12 this weekend's got some good ones. Like, 17th ranked Kansas State versus uh, 8th ranked TCU, the Battle of the Purple, the Purple Cats versus the Purple Frogs. It, that's a three and a half point advantage for the Horn Frogs at home in that night game. What are we thinking about in that one, fellas? I want TCU to win before they play us, obviously. Agreed. I want as much pressure on that game as possible. And well, we're not another tick and avoid another Texas situation. Yeah, and we're definitely not gonna know when we play that. Well, the whole thing about that that'll be different, Zach, is we'll be playing them in Morgantown, not that is true. down in Texas. That's a huge difference to start. Um but I, I also think this about that game though, right? Like we're not gonna know when we play these guys till well in well past midnight probably if that even like it'll probably be Sunday early Sunday morning before you get a game time or even have a read on a game time because if they win they're going to get want to get as many eyeballs on TCU and Max Duggan as possible if they lose the who knows I am personally a fan of 330 starts I love them too Mike thank you I mean they're good for like going to the game for sure they're good for everything though because like you can watch other you can watch some stuff before you can still watch stuff after. You don't have to get up at you know at the crack of dawn when the roosters are crowing and get on drive up north on the interstate if you're not staying the night before. Plus, you can still get home if you want afterward. Like they they are the perfect three thirty is the perfect time for Mountaineer football, Did especially guys- this time of year because like then it'll be sunny when it starts, but then like it'll get you know kind of turn dusk by the time it's done. I love it. Did you guys uh, did you guys drive back Thursday night? Absolutely, I did. I did not. I stayed the night. I stopped in Buckhannon. Yeah, teach their own. I got home at about one thirty. I stopped at the uh, was the K Lounge a thing when you were there, Blaine? <sighs> no, it was not. It was not. The K Lounge was not not a thing when I was there. But I was only there for a year, though. So yeah, you were. You wouldn't have even been twenty one yet, I guess. I may have heard about it through the grapevine. The K Lounge is like the KA area, though. It's a little little buckhanded bar down off me. Not too far. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, always good to get some buckhanded buckhanded knowledge up in here. Hey, in the last game here in the Big 12, there, Mike, because who doesn't want to talk more about buckhanded? I mean, I'm (laughs) sure that's why people people are listening to hear about (laughs) what's going on in buckhanded. Absolutely. I mean, hey, you know, we may, we, if we offended anybody that's a, a resident there the, of the Strawberry Festival, then, then you should be offended because yes, it's a great town. It, I mean, it's it's a good time, but oh, yeah, let's God. let's uh let's get back to that in the last game here, Kansas Baylor, the Bears at home, noon start, eight point favorite against Kansas. 
I'm buying a points with Kansas, by the way, fellas. This this one's tough because I, I, I did say last week I uh, think Kansas might be kind of back to, you know, reversing a little. They offensively are so, so different without Jalen Daniels. They're not as dynamic. I don't – I think they're a little more – predictable maybe easier to game for um he he is literally everything that makes that offense go and i just the longer he's out i just don't know if that's something that they can sustain and he still scored some points on oklahoma though cj with him they still have some good well, running yeah but as zach would say oklahoma's defense is absolute complete and utter trash that does sound like something i would say <laughs> i don't know if you've said it all that often before before this year zach but Ass is one of my other favorite adjectives for bad defenses. <laughs> I'd agree with that. You you definitely are uh, one that likes to say ass when it comes to defenses. <laughs> yeah, I just – I don't know. I mean, Kansas – there's been a couple of games, like you know, the West Virginia game was one of them. Um, you know, you look at them against TCU, it's – defensively at times they're not real good and they're going to give up a bunch of big plays and they're going to give up points. So they end up in this, well, we're just going to see if we can outscore you, which works when you have a guy like Daniels who can absolutely make almost anything happen without his playmaking ability. I don't know if that's – I don't know if they can afford to get into foot races with people. And Baylor can absolutely put you in those kind of games. Well, Baylor hasn't really turned the offense until, you know, us. But Kansas's defense has been kind of hit and miss. I know Oklahoma just – ripped them wide open, but, I mean, they held TCU to a respectable number who's been hanging points on everybody. So, I mean, they could have a day where the defense decides to show up a little better than it did this past week, but it is at Baylor. I mean, it's just kind of hard to tell. And whether or not Blake Shapin plays in that game after we uh, put him out of the game, that that could be big for them too because he was firing all cylinders against that. Yeah, bingo on that call there, Zach, about Blake Shapin. Um because if he's playing, that changes my opinion a little bit. It comes to what we think Baylor's offense can do. But I also will say this, Baylor at home off a loss, that's a bad combination for Kansas. I think they might be able to hang, but they're not going to win. So, yeah, you know, that's it's kind of a look around the Big 12. It's kind of nice when, like, you have a bye in this week in this league because – you can literally, there's only like four games. Like it's, it shouldn't be that hard to schedule these games either, but it seems like it is. We got that six day window again, fellas, um, for the TCU kickoff. Well, Michigan State, Michigan's already at 7 30 on ABC. Um, you've already got Kentucky going at Tennessee at seven on ESPN. Like, I know the World Series is on Fox that night. I mean, unless we're playing on FS1. At night, possible. I mean, that's possible. Three thirty looks like ESPN still available. Looks like ABC still available. Uh, noon on Fox is already taken up with uh, Ohio State, Penn State, and Oklahoma, Iowa State's on FS1. So, like, maybe we get an ESPN nooner. Games we're up against. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Cincinnati, UCF, Notre Dame, Syracuse. Yeah, Notre Dame, Syracuse. So it's like, hmm, that's interesting. I feel like we're destined for noon, fellas. 
Eh, it is what it is. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, go home, get a couple hours of sleep, get up, watch a game. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. What, what are our feelings about that? Like, it's we were just talking about the perfect time for a game to start, Mike. Like, it's just disappointing. It's hard to plan when it, you have that situation. It's just not easy. It, it sucks. It, it's tough to plan. You're exactly right. Because the noon kickoff is just roll out of bed. For me, it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive, and you're out of here. 3.30 is a little bit more comfortable. I can enjoy my morning. No big deal. And you tailgate a little bit more. You, you take it all in. I think that's the perfect time. It's a nice balance because it's not a late drive home. Uh, and then a late night game, the upside, maybe you get an early tea time in Charleston. But like you said, I need to know that in advance. So, yeah, I'm with you. I would like ESPN and Fox to get it together a little bit. We're wondering. I, I'm with you, Mike, about the early tea time. There is nothing better than that. But you got to make it early, early. That's the thing. Like, you know. It's doable, though. Say 7 o'clock kick, 8 a.m. tea time. We can make that work. I, I think you're right. You, you play ready golf. I think you have a chance. Maybe you have game day on, like, in the car. Ready on, golf. On the golf cart. I like it. Ready golf should be the only version of golf. I agree with that. Thanks. You are probably and – and I'm going to say this. Cyber, <laughs> actually, no, Cyber. Mike, you are the quickest player I've played with. Maybe. Yeah. You're, you're definitely in the top three. If, I, I, if you have a perfect practice swing, you just wasted the swing. So what's the point? I've never understood that. Hey. <laughs> Hey, I said, I'm a one practice swing guy and go. Hey, it sounds like Casey Leg right there. Mm. You yeah. know, waste a good stroke. Hey, and you know what? He didn't waste. He hasn't wasted any this season. Let's, let's hope, man. Let's, let's hope like hell, dude. I, Zach, cause I, dude, I want to be four and three so bad going to that TCU game. Then be Listen, top ten. I, I know. I think that as nervous as I am about us never having beaten them with Neil Brown as head coach. I do think that they can beat them for sure. I'm feeling good about I it. I think it's a good matchup for us. I'm, I'm and just and number I'm, one to seven really surprises me. Yeah, dude, me too. I'm gonna. I might even see if it goes up any higher. That kind of freaks me out a little bit, honestly. Like that's well, the kind of thing you're like, nah, 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 nah dude. That's the public, man. That's the public throwing throwing the money dude, like, hard early on the open. Yeah. Yeah, you could be right. I don't. I honestly don't think people really know what who we are. Like, do we either. know who we are? Well, that's a good point. I don't know. Really good offensively, still very bad on the back end. Let's let's get to this portion of the uh, the proceedings here, fellas. Let's do a little predictions here. What are we thinking? Uh, who wants to lead off? Do we have anything else to say before we get to that part of the show? I'm good to go. That's let's do it. Okay. Blaine, cue it up. Who you got? Who, who who's who we got who we got here first? Let's uh let's 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 go ahead and lead off with CJ. Lead off, man. <sighs> okay. Um this one's tough and this is gonna be the one I really get maybe into the weeds on. Um, because I'm gonna be watching the game from a Dave and Busters in New Jersey. Um, oh okay. yeah. Yuck. This is an um, epic tale. Yeah, my uh my girls turn eleven uh on Friday. So I'm flying up Friday morning out of Asheville. Um We'll spend Friday and Saturday with them. Um, Audrey wants to do Dave and Buster, so that's what we're going to hit up. I'm okay with that because, you know, plenty of TVs to watch the game. This one is tough for me because since they were born in 2011, it feels like all the Mountaineer football team does is lose on their birthday or the weekend of their birthday. Do you have the stats, EJ? 
Yeah, they are four and six. Ooh. The lone year that they did not play within that weekend, so it's like a three-day window, uh, was 2018. Um, the first year was a loss at the Carrier Dome. Ooh, that was but, a bad luck. Yeah, that was um, literally four and a half hours after they were born. So, yeah, that was a – it was a very happy day, very proud day, but at the same time, uh, yeah, the night did not end well. Um, so I always give them a hard time telling them that near football and their birthday don't seem to go real hand in hand. Um, good news is, though, I was looking at it, we tend to win in even years with them, 14, Ooh. 16, and 20. So Okay, okay. All right. So I'm feeling this is a deep dive. I love These it. These are good stats. It is a little deep dive. I mean, it has nothing to actually do with the stat in of itself. It's just the crazy, um, weird Cause, superstition. Causation <laughs> correlation, CJ. There's, there's <laughs> something there, okay? So I'm going to stick with the even year trend continues. We find a way to go down to Lubbock. We find a way to get a win um, against a team that I think we are a little bit better than, and we owe them. We're due. Again. 40, 45, 35. <laughs> Queue up country roads on the probably right home. So a shootout, indeed. Yeah, I, I still think defensively, uh, especially in the secondary, we're going to give up some big plays. Um, but Must I could think shoot harder than pistols. Yep. So, but I, I but the defense is going to be able to find a way in the second half to come up with a couple of stops um, and to, to allow the offense to kind of push this thing out a little bit. So I got us up. I got us winning forty five thirty five. And that does take the over, by the way. Uh, yeah, you're hammering down that over. <laughs> Hammer uh, down. Hammer down. Um, hey, speaking of, no, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second because you, you just brought something up we got to talk about. Um, who's who's next? Mike, CJ? Who wants, or CJ, you just took your pick. Uh, Mike, Mike or Zach? Who wants to go? <laughs> I think I'm ready. Uh, first off, CJ, good job on the Dave and Busters. Th- that's masterful planning right there. That's how you <laughs> work a situation in your favor, and you still get the beers and you get the game. Um, so great job there. Uh, secondly, turning <laughs> to Saturday, uh, as you guys know, every game of this season, we- we've tried to define it as something. This means this for Neil. This is the such-and-such game of the Neil Brown era. I'm not going to do that this week because it sucked the joy out of watching the Mountaineers. What I will say is this. We got to get hot. We got to get hot. We got to get Mountaineer fever going again. But another thing I'll tell you is that we need to get turnovers again on defense. Make opportune plays. Don't drop interceptions. If that ball's on the turf, we better have four bodies flying after it. I think we do get them. I think JT Daniels whips out of this slightly above average mode and is the passer that he can be. West Virginia on the road, knocking off the Red Raiders 45 to 30. We're going to get hot. It's time to get hot. Oof. Okay. So much positivity. I, <laughs> I love it, Mike. We just um, got to get hot. It's that simple. I'm not going to define it as anything. We got to string them together. There's no reason why we can't get hot either. No reason. All right. I'm feeling it, buddy. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I guess it's my turn then, Blaine. You love to you love to bring up the rear. So I <laughs> guess I'll I guess I'll go third. Well, hey, okay. I mean I can, I can handle that. All right. I'll let the host have his I'll let the host have his final moment. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> well, if, if if we want to go with that, uh, I'm I'm all about the positivity. I'm I'm all for us stringing another win together. I am going to go the opposite direction for a couple reasons. One, I would love, love, love to keep the reverse jinx going. (laughs) It worked last week. Last week. Mm. Do it again. Secondly, I mean, Neil hasn't beaten the the Raiders yet. Red Raiders are undefeated against Neil Brown. It, I don't know. It's just one of those weird feelings. Like, do they have our number? Kind of seems like they do. I'm going to say it's a close game all the way. High scoring. I'm in favor with that with you guys. It's a high number already. I'm going to say 42 to 38 Texas Tech. Late game score by the Red Raiders to take it away from us. And we're back on the hot seat next week getting Mike's new top three. Whew. Well, guys, I, I, I hope the game goes better than my night is right now. I put a pencil box next to my cat's litter box, and litter got into the pencil box, and he just peed all over it. <laughs> so let's hope for some better execution than that. Oh, and here is where the podcast goes off the rails. I, oh. I, what, what, what can you say? You know? <laughs> I think that's a bad omen for my pick. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Um, so, guys, one, one thing here that I think has to be said is Neil Brown's 6-13 and 13 in road games since he's taken the job in Morgantown. One of the spots he has not won in is Lubbock, Texas. That's going to change Saturday. JT Daniels is going to have a good game we're going to protect. Wide receivers are going to keep maturing. Running game is going to be there. Texas Tech defensively, I don't think has a lot of answers for us. Offensively, I think they're a little bit of smoke and mirrors. If you don't turn the ball over and help them like Texas did in that game, they're going to struggle. They didn't necessarily look great, and they've only scored 28 points average in their five games versus Division One competition, not Murray State. We at least scored 35 if you take out Townsend. We're better on offense. We're flying around. We're making plays now. I think we're going to find ways to create turnovers there in Lubbock. They turn the ball over, and they've done it all season. Mountaineers win this one, guys. I think it's a bit of a statement that, like Neil's been saying, the demise is a little bit overblown. Going to go West Virginia 48, Texas Tech 34. Hey, we kept them under 40. That seems like an accomplishment. I got to say something real quick, and we may have mentioned this already at some point in the year. It's really nice not to have to worry about hitting that 30-point threshold. Like, you know that in games like this, you're going to be able to keep up with scoring. And if the defense isn't there, which this year obviously it's not, you're not dead in the water because you can't score points because we certainly can do that. It's really really a nice change of pace from a Neil Brown coach team. 
It really is. It's like, hey, if the defense can make a stop or two and you create a turnover, I mean, think about it, guys. We only had three turnovers in five games to start the season. Yeah, we got three the other night. But, like, it's going to be trending more toward getting more turnovers than only creating three in five games. That luck's about to come our way. We didn't have any of it in the start of the season. We're due a lot on the back end. We no got doubt. a lot, and we got a little bit of it on Thursday. But uh, hopefully, that was just the start of uh, the deposits coming in there on the uh, football gods, giving us the bounces of the ball our way. For sure, and you you definitely need it to come out the second half of the season and do what you want to do because you know if you're not going to be able to be overly proficient, at least in the back end. Why not be a little aggressive, try and bring some pressure, try and jump some passes, do some stuff that's going to, you know, may result in getting you burned from time to time, but you're getting burned anyway. So try and make some crazy plays. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and I think Mike was right. You know, it's just, it, it's time for, for this football team to, to get hot and catch the fever and get on a run. Um, and no better way to do it than Saturday in Lubbock. And, and you know, and you know what? Winners of three or four. This is kind of some of the the formula some of those rich rod teams use in the past, right? Kind of a slow start, build into October and November when the games really matter. With a running game and an opportunistic defense at times, right? Seems like a formula that might work for this team as well. Yeah, no doubt. And nothing nothing against the Neil Brown coach teams that were primarily defensively oriented. It's just, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna be in close games, it's a little more fun to watch when you're putting up points instead of watching a slog. <laughs> no question about that. <laughs> Slogs are not always the most fun programming. They, as long they, as we're in the games. Well, I, I, no, I'm with you on that 100. percent Because like it's like, who do you want to watch a 17-14 game where like just ineptitude, or do you want to watch players making plays? I think it's a pretty easy answer. America well, loves I, points. America loves, yeah. Hammer I think the there's over. also there, there's also a balance in you know you don't want life's too short to bet the under. You know you don't want seven six type of games, but also I think there's also some oh my gosh when you have the seventy sixty three games too. Oh yeah, for sure. We haven't had that yet though, so let's hope it never gets to that. <laughs> <laughs> never again, Mike. I think you've got a point, man. We got to catch the fever. And I'm hoping next week we're talking about a team that's four and three with a chance for a big upset. And then we all catch the fever. Yes, absolutely. Before before we get out of here, I do want to say because my girls do listen to the podcast. So I do want to say happy birthday to to my girls, Audrey and Gabriella. They listen. So I want to make sure I say that to them because I know they're going to be listening when this thing comes out. So um, minimal yeah, cursing this episode, too. Good deal. Ha- yes. Happy birthday. Yes. Yes. Happy birthday yes. to them. So and they had only dropped they're... one bomb tonight. I know <laughs> they're gonna be so proud of me. <laughs> hey, they just, family they just friendly let you podcast. work your art, man. Family friendly environment on the porch. Yeah, Absolutely. always. I mean, I hey, we try and make it so. I mean, a- a- everybody's welcome. West Virginia Mountaineer football gets people fired up a little bit. Okay? <laughs> that's just that's all there is to it. Hopefully, we're uh, we'll be quieting that Texas Tech crowd on Saturday. Till next time, guys. Enjoy the weekend of college football. Y'all take it easy. Let's go Mountaineers. Let's go drink some beers.